Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. We're going to be in John's Gospel, chapter 1, in just a little bit. Before I get there, uh, I want to share something with you. Friday, I woke up, and I just didn't feel great Friday morning, and I also felt like I just had to go to Covington to see my grandmother, my my nana, who's 93 or 4. I always add a year to make her irritated, so we'll say 94. Uh, She's not been doing well, and I, I just wanted to go see her, so... I, I just, on a while, I just went to Covington. I went to Covington to see Nana. Uh, it was so hot, miserably hot. I got ready to come home about 10.30 in the morning. I didn't have much time. I just wanted to see her, give her a hug. She was getting her hair fixed, so she was at uh, uh, her place. It's called the hair port. That's where she gets her hair fixed. And uh, she was holding cord out there. She looked like nothing was wrong, you know. She'd been very sick for three weeks, and here she's got on this lovely yellow outfit, and her hair is just, you know, talking to everybody. So we sat out there with her, and about 10.30, I got ready to come home, and the motor wouldn't start. Everything was a mess. It was miserably hot. Nothing like working on a motor when it's 100 degrees in West Tennessee. I was drenched with sweat and so irritated because I had a lot to do Friday afternoon. I had a funeral I wanted to attend, all kinds of things back here at home. And so I, I, was, just, I was just mad. And we just had to leave everything. We had to leave it all. And Daddy said, let's go get some barbecue and come back and try this after a while. You know, because after a while sometimes fixes mechanical things, just after a while. So, so off we went to town, Mama, Daddy. We go to the barbecue place called Mid-South Barbecue. It's delicious West Tennessee barbecue, just the best that I've ever had. It's so great. We're in there. It's hot in there. Everybody's irritated. It's already 105. People are sweating. We're, we're drenched. The women at the counter are yelling at us to get in line because we've, we've made sort of a clump at the door. Somebody's got the door propped open, letting all the cool air out. And, you know, she's yelling. It's, it's a very tense situation. And meanwhile, I'm seeing all these people from my childhood. Everybody in Covington goes to the barbecue place on Friday for lunch. And so, I was having to speak to this person and that person. Hadn't seen them since high school. Where you been? What you been doing? How do you catch up? It's been 20-something years. I'm fine. I'm hungry. That's what I am right now, you know. (laughs) And so this this woman, a short woman, wonderful, beautiful lady, slips up beside me and she grabs me by the arm. I'm already hot. You know, I'm like, don't touch me, (laughs) you know. And she's talking to my mama across me. Mama's holding the other arm now because mama's proud. She's proud. Her son is here. And, she's, and I'm just both, I'm just like, I'm, I have sweat through my clothes already. 
and now y'all are touching me, and I'm hungry, and uh, these people are mad. Can we just move? So she says something about how fast they grow up, you know, and I'm, it took 42 years. I'm 42 years, and it's not fast. No, it's 42 years. I'm, I'm not six, you know, and so she goes on, and I, I just think, please, I just want to go home. I got stuff to do. I can't, I can't, I can't be in here this whole day, and so Mama says, Sharon, that's Sharon Miller is her name. She's the mother of my wife's boss, my, my wife, the mother, no, the wife of my mother's boss. I should have written this out. This would have been better. She is the wife of my mother's boss. My, my mother worked at the same place for 30 years and had a wonderful boss named Mr. Larry. Well, Mr. Larry is Sharon's husband. And so this is Sharon. She's known me my whole life. And so she says, Sharon is going to come back. She wants to talk to you about your church. And I thought, Oh, fantastic. This couldn't get any better. It's Friday. I'm off today. I don't talk about church stuff on Friday. So, so she comes over and, and she shares with me that some of you were at her house after the tornadoes went through Covington back in the spring. Do you remember the tornadoes that went through Covington? Some of you wound up at Sharon and Larry's house getting trees off of buildings, cleaning their yard up. They were absolutely desperate for help in that moment. And they didn't know what they were going to do. Our crew, I think Julie and David were part of that. Our crew was in Covington trying to find work to do. There was some, there was some confusion. They were supposed to go to this place and they wound up that they didn't need them over there. And so they prayed and they wound up at Larry and Sharon's house doing that work. And so she wanted to give witness to that story and about how they weren't expecting help and to have a bunch of men and women come with chainsaws and help and chocolate cake, Julie, to help make things better. It, it was a gift of grace to them, and they were absolutely overwhelmed by it. And so I, I was convicted in that moment of my many bad feelings of getting stuck in Covington. And instead, instead, I had a moment of God's grace in that barbecue place. <laughs> I was still hot and sweaty and wanted to come home, but I was reminded of the power of God at work in the world around us. I was reminded of the power of God at work among you and to see how your work touched these people that I've known my whole life in my own hometown that I just happened to run into on a Friday when I got stuck in Covington where I didn't want to be. It was a miracle. It was a miracle in so many ways. I thank you for that. I thank you, Julie, David, and the crew. My goodness, what a gift that was. Let's, let's pray together. Oh, God, we're grateful for those moments of grace that we experience in our lives. We're grateful for those relationships that extend for, forever in both directions. We're grateful, oh, God, for how you speak to us. Would you send your Holy Spirit now and open our hearts to the word you share with us, to these ancient words from John chapter 1. Help us to hear with joy what you say to us today. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. May the people of God say, Amen. We're now in our second movement in this whole uh, Back to Church worship and preaching series. We're engaging, re-engaging with our mission and vision, one ministry area at a time. Do, do you remember the four ministry areas? You just said, Krista had to say them in the mission, the Love Him team, 
serve him team, share him team, and the know him team. Those are our four ministry areas. We're working through each one. Uh, The vision that God gave us a few years ago invited us to organize our staff and ministry teams around these crucial parts of our mission so that everything would just work better together. And, and, And we're getting there. We're getting there. Today, Uh, And also last Sunday, Mark Corsi and I are talking about the Share Him team and its theological and biblical foundations. Both of us are preaching from John's gospel. Mark is in John 21. I think you heard that last Sunday in here. And I'm in John chapter 1. To set the stage before we hear the gospel reading, I want to remind you that John, the gospel writer, isn't overly concerned with timelines and historical accuracy. He, he has a theological message which he communicates by remembering his way through the life and ministry of Jesus in a way that suits his message, okay? He's not really concerned about what order things go in. He just wants you to know the story the way he wants you to hear the story. Now, this is very different than Luke's gospel, one of the other of the four gospels. Luke says right at the very beginning, I have set out to create an order orderly account of what actually happened with witnesses and firsthand accounts. He's going to tell you the facts and let you draw your own conclusions. John is going to make sure you get the message of Jesus by the time he gets through telling his story. He, he begins his gospel with this wonderful prologue that we call, The Word Became Flesh. You know how it starts. I bet some of you can say it with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. You cannot miss, as you hear the rest of that, that Jesus is God. That's the point of John's gospel, the prologue. And then in chapter 1, this prophet appears, John the Baptist, different, different from John the gospel writer. John the Baptist appears in the wilderness. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. It's a very Old Testament prophet scene. John is getting the people ready. They are coming out into the wilderness to see, to see if God might be doing something. You have to remember, the, the Jewish people now, they, they have not experienced a God movement in two to 500 years, depending on how you measure the time. Two to 500 years since anybody has really, really seen a move of God. It's been a long time dry spell for them. So they are deeply excited to hear that something might be happening with this John the Baptist fella out in the wilderness. Jesus shows up then in John's baptismal line. Through the Holy Spirit, John recognizes his cousin Jesus, and he gives him this title, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John says, this is the one. He's the whole reason I've been out here eating locusts and honey and baptizing all these folk. This is why, verse 34, John says, and I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Now, let's pick up right there, verse 35. Let us hear the Word of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, 
Here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? They said to Jesus, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying or where are you dwelling in the Greek? He said to them, come and see, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, the anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Now, you probably noticed as we read through that, John also had disciples in the same way that we think about Jesus having disciples. In the first century, uh, Jewish religious seekers were hunting for faithful teachers. They called them rabbis, and they would dedicate their whole lives to these rabbis for the sole purpose of spiritual enlightenment and spiritual growth. As I said earlier, it's been a long, dry spell for the people of Israel. They were hungry. Lots of people were hungry for the presence and power of God. If you heard about a teacher who was helping you connect with that, you went and followed that teacher. That teacher became your rabbi. John is standing with two of his disciples. Jesus walks by. That's the scene. Jesus walks by, and John says, look, here is the Lamb of God. These two disciples, they just go right after Jesus. They just follow Jesus. We don't want to go too fast over this. John does not try to keep them. In fact, John says, this is the Lamb of God. John's whole purpose is to introduce Jesus, the Messiah, to the people of Israel. He is fulfilling his purpose here by inviting them to go follow Jesus, which, which they do. Understanding who Jesus is or who Jesus might be is enough to intrigue these two disciples who go after Jesus. Jesus notices them following, and and he said, I imagine he turns around. I don't know, it doesn't say that, but I just imagine he turned around and looked at them and said, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And they say, Rabbi. They don't answer the question. They say, Rabbi, we're pretty sure that means they have already transitioned from following John as rabbi to now following Jesus as rabbi, but still, they don't answer Jesus' question. They respond with another question. They say to Jesus, where are you staying? Where are you dwelling? Where are you living? That's what they say to Jesus. In other words, how far have we got to walk to get to your place? (laughs) And is it better than John's? He's been in some pretty primitive conditions. Surely the Messiah has a better place to stay than John. I don't know if they misunderstand the question or they just evade the question. But I I do wonder, I wonder, how would you answer Jesus' question? What are you looking for? How would you answer that question? What are you looking for? It is a question that we disciples of Jesus need to think about. We don't always know how to answer that, and that's okay. Not many of us are heavy-duty spiritual seekers. 
most of us are too busy to delve deeply into all the philosophers and theologians. And, and quite frankly, uh, many of us have been given our faith from our parents and grandparents. What are you looking for? Well, Jesus, we were just looking for you, and we found you already in the church nursery when they sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We found you already. That's what we were looking for. What are you looking for? It's a very deep question. We wonder the same things that these first century Jews wondered. We wonder, is spiritual enlightenment some body of knowledge that we must learn? Is it some secret list of do's and don'ts that we got to have? Is it all about getting away from this earthly existence to some higher plane, a spiritual existence that transcends everything down here? Is it figuring out how to connect all of the dots of the prophets and priests in the Old Testament with the New Testament? Is it, is it answering the tough questions of life and faith? Is it physical, mental, spiritual, emotional? What are we looking for? What are you looking for? Maybe it's just safety and security. Maybe it's a little wealth and fame. Maybe a lot of wealth and fame. Maybe education that will enable me to pull myself out of the trap of poverty. I don't know. What are you looking for? As we think about the Share Him ministry team, the work of healthy faith sharing and inviting ministries, we must also think about the 77% of people in our community who are not currently involved with any sort of a community of faith. We have to wonder, what are they looking for? What are they looking for? I get to talk to a lot of these folks, and I am, uh, I'm always surprised at how wrong I am. <laughs> I've made a lot of assumptions over the last 18 or 19 years of ministry. I used to think I knew. I used to think they, whoever those people are out there, I used to think they would surely be looking for meaning and purpose in life. We followers of Jesus have that in droves. But, but you know what I have found out? They have it too. They have meaning and purpose in life too. It just looks a little different than ours. These folks feel very fulfilled and satisfied with life, sometimes even more than we do. That wasn't right. Then I thought, well, surely they are looking for forgiveness from sin and freedom from the guilt and shame of that sin. You know, I don't know about y'all, but I go to bed every night with Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your abundant mercy. Have mercy on me, O God. I think about that every night when I go to bed. I wake up with Lamentations 3. New every morning are your mercies, O God. Maybe that's just me, but that's how I feel every day. I just know about my sin, and I'm desperate for God's mercy and forgiveness. Surely the folks out there would also be looking for forgiveness and freedom. Well, I have found out they don't feel guilt and shame like we do, and they usually feel like we're a little heavy-handed with all the judgment and criticism. They're not wrong about that. <laughs> the promises of forgiveness and freedom from shame really don't mean that much to a person until the Holy Spirit brings conviction, conviction. They may not know to be looking for all that right at first. The truth is sometimes we forget to look for it too. I've even gone all old school on them, and I said, don't you just want to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever? Don't you just want that? Surely we can agree that we all want that, or more biblically faithful, don't you want to be ready when heaven comes here in its fullness? You know what Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on 
What is it? Earth as it is in heaven. There it is. Usually, usually their answer is, well, I've got my own little piece of heaven right here and all that other is above my pay grade. (laughs) What are you looking for? I think we can learn a lot from Jesus. The disciples evade the question by getting so very practical. Where are you staying? Where are you living? Jesus doesn't criticize or castigate. He, He meets them right where they are and he just says to them, he just says, come and see. Did you catch that? He just says, Come and see. I think we too often forget the beauty of a simple invitation. Come and see. We think we've got to invite people into believing all the right things and having the right answers and telling them what to do and all of that sort of stuff. No, no, that's not it. We are just called to invite people into a way of life which is formed around the very real person of Jesus Christ who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The one thing I have discovered in all my wanderings among the de-churched and non-churched people is that they are actually looking for something. They are actually looking for a place to belong, a real place to belong. Like all of us, they have many places of what I call light attachment. During this season, it's soccer, football, baseball. During that season, it's dance, gymnastics. There's always school. There's always the work family. But, but where is that deep place of belonging that is rooted in something bigger than ourselves? Well, it's right here with Jesus Did you see Andrew's first move after coming and seeing? Verse 41, he went to his brother, Simon. He found brother. He said, brother, we have found the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. We have found the one we've been looking for, the one God promised would come to put all things right. And he brought Simon to Jesus, who gave Simon a new name that you all know, Peter the Rock. You see, the folks out there, are indeed looking for something. It is that deep place of belonging rooted in something bigger than ourselves that is actually making a positive difference in this tired and frustrating world. His name is Jesus, and he is always looking for you, for me, for them, for all of us together. That's just how he works. The work of the Share Him ministry team is not to do our healthy faith sharing and inviting ministries so that we don't have to. No, that's not their work. Their work is to inspire and equip every one of us to go out and help people discover what it is they are actually looking for. Even we who don't always know what we're looking for can learn a lot from Jesus. Come and see is a powerful invitation for you for me, for them, for all of us together, finding that deep place of belonging rooted in something bigger than ourselves that is actually making a positive difference in this tired old world. That's that's what it's all about. I'm finding that right here with Jesus and with you. I even found it when I went home on Friday and heard the witness to the goodness of God at work through your hands among my own people. Only God can do that. And guess what? We get to be part of it every single day. It is so much fun. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen.